Miriam Ghaznavi and Raheel Galva are the owners of Mamsab, which will be opening soon in downtown Charleston and Malika in Mount Pleasant. After launching Pakistani pop-up Mamsab as a delivery service during the pandemic, they landed a stall in the now-closed food court workshop. Last year, they announced plans to open a Mamsab brick-and-mortar location in downtown Charleston. Not long after, they debuted another restaurant, Malika, in Mount Pleasant Town Center. Miriam and Raheel are husband and wife entrepreneurs who have grown their business from scratch during the pandemic, so they really seem like the perfect people to join us to discuss the future of the Charleston restaurant industry. I'm Miriam Ghaznavi, the chef and owner of Mamsab and Malika in Charleston. My name is Raheel, Raheel Gaba. I am Mariam's husband and business partner, co-owner of Malika and Mamsab. Both were born in Pakistan, raised in Saudi. I was raised in Pakistan and we met in Canada, in Toronto. And uh, the moment I saw her, I knew this is it. And uh, here we are. It happened so quickly for us. I think when we look back, we're like, what happened? There's no transition. It was almost like it was all just one. Everything came together for us. As soon as the kind of city shut down and um, the school shut down where I was teaching, within three days of COVID quarantine, we looked over and said, well, what do we do? We should just start some delivery services. So we were just like, let's make the best of it. And then uh, we did make the best of it. Um, we had such an amazing response that um, within a couple of weeks, we reached out to Michael uh, Shemtov at Butch and B. And we're good friends and said, you know, if there's a space that you can give us for, you know, bigger kitchen. And workshop was closed. So they kind of moved us in. And within a month or so, we had that space all to ourselves. And I mean, rest is history. At the end of the day, her cooking was something that just was this ray of light. It was something that Miriam wanted to do. And we're like, you know what? We don't have a restaurant. The right people, the right conditions, the right time. Everything came together. We kind of knew, at least, you know, I know that I wanted to have my own, um, something to do with my cooking. Didn't imagine it to be this big for sure and that fast. But I wanted to do it. And I think I knew in my heart for the longest time that it has to be Charleston. This, this city, I had always kind of fueled that dream over the years because there was such a lack of it and, and so much appreciation for it, too. Every time we had get-togethers at home, every time we, we had friends over, everybody was just completely surprised by the cuisine, by like, oh, my gosh, what is this? I've never tried this. Where can we find it? Oops, nowhere else, just our house. So we kind of knew that Charleston was like the perfect, perfect ground for, for bringing our culture and our, our cuisine to it. There is a huge appreciation and there's definitely, we're kind of on the right track in terms of flavors, like going through all those pop-ups, trying out new recipes, kind of taking risks here and there, bringing some comfort foods like butter chicken and tikka masalas that people are more familiar with, but then sneaking in some of our kind of our favorites and more adventurous rustic cooking like nihari, beef niharis and and curry, which is a curry is not the other curry, but like a different kind of curry. And then seeing like the response, people coming back and saying, oh my gosh, what was that? I don't even know what's in it, but I just engulfed it. Well, you were talking about the restaurant coming downtown and some dishes that 
you know, might push the boundaries a little bit. Do you have an example or something that's kind of been going on in your head that you're really excited to to showcase? Yeah. One particular one I know that I've been, or at least two of them, like there's a really rich stew that we make, a spicy stew, which is, which uses cow feet. They're hard to locate here. And that's the other challenge because we live in Charleston and it's not, you know, doesn't have as many grocery stores or suppliers. So we have kind of kind of tough time sourcing some of the ingredients. But that's something I cannot wait to put on the menu. It's like gets your hands sticky. You literally drop your naan or bread in there and then you just soak everything up and it's just fills you up. So that actually um, can be eaten. It's funny because we actually in Punjab and Lahore, where I come from, they eat it for the breakfast. And then there's another one, which is the goat or cow brains. And we make a little, almost like a stir fry with it. It's, it's interesting. Like the, the fresh ginger, cilantro and the serranos, when they hit that and the oils, oh my gosh, that I can't wait. But the dish that she talked about first, the cow feet, she loves it so much. We went to Toronto a couple of months ago and then she came back early because, you know, the restaurant needed her. I had the kids and I came back a couple of days later. And she sent me a list to go to some restaurants and bring. I was driving back, so I got a, a cooler laden with ice, and I got a bunch of stuff. But I got three dinners of paya yes. for her from this restaurant. That's all she ate. She yeah. literally ignored everything else that I bought for her, and oh. that's all she ate. Charleston's gonna love it. It's it's gonna be a hearty, oh, yeah, amazing stew. That's so exciting and. When I was writing the piece about expectations for, for 2022 and what's to come, uh, Brooks writes of Melfi's and Little Jack's and Leon's, he had said that he thinks more restaurants are going to move to different parts of Charleston and kind of branch out. And I know you guys have a restaurant coming downtown, but Malika, which is open now in Mount Pleasant Town Center, is a little bit outside of downtown. So could you talk about what it's been like opening your restaurant in Mount Pleasant? One of the biggest lessons that we have learned in being in this business is location matters less. What it is, is where where are the people? Where is the biggest growth happening? Right now, Charleston is stagnant in terms of growth. People, at least the, the downtown part of it, there's more growth happening towards the northern side of, of Charleston. Mount Pleasant is you can't find a house to buy in Mount Pleasant. And the biggest thing that we would hear is Mount Pleasant has nothing, only the chains. The local restaurant scene is pretty much non-existent. We live in Mount Pleasant and we also were experiencing that. There's very few spots and those are the spots that we would always go to or frequent or, or order over Uber Eats and DoorDash. So while Malika is out of downtown Charleston, we still feel it's part of the Charleston community because we have people coming in from West Ashley, from James Island, from Johns Island, regular, yep. Somerville, Goose Creek, and there are some families that come regularly from Charlotte. So what has happened is, okay, location now doesn't matter as much in terms of which city you're in, but I think marketing has become even more important because there's a lot of different aspects of marketing hitting you from email, from social media. And a lot of people are doing some amazing things. And I think when people were just cooped up in their houses over the pandemic, now people have a desire to just go and explore. Location-wise, it's been absolutely amazing. Mount Pleasant needed it. And Mount Pleasant deserves more diversity. So I hope there's more diverse restaurants that take the leap and 
and bring bring more international cuisine to Mount Pleasant. We we actually get surprised too because I mean we literally have people <clears throat> sometimes even coming in twice a week. I mean we were that comfort food for them, you know. And Malika, um, even though it has a more like a counter service faster, and I think that really works for us too. Because a lot of times um, there are ethnic restaurants, or especially Indian, we don't have any Pakistani, but the other Indian restaurants in town are all like kind of sit down, more table yeah. service. So if somebody wants to grab a cooked bite, it doesn't exist. So that's why I think it also works for us too at Malaga. That concept is really, really well uh, suited for the lifestyle that pe most people have right now, especially. We have a good balance of If you want a hearty dinner, sit down, come in. But if you want a quick bite, there's enough small plates and jots and wraps that you can just take and go. So that is a very unique thing, mm -hmm. I think, that was missing anyways, besides the cuisine being missing as well. We published a big story today about staffing in the industry and you know how a lot of people are departing the industry. And I'm, I would imagine that opening a restaurant that is counter-serving cafe style would allow you to keep more staff, but just in general, how is the staffing at your restaurant? And I know we also talked about kind of a change in culture in terms of employee treatment and how you guys are implementing that. So how, how is that all going for you guys? First of all, the staff that we have is the best staff that you can find. They are fully invested with us in this. They come in with the same passion that we go in with. It's which so is rare. so rare and it we are so humbled by that every day everybody comes in with so much passion they believe in the concept they believe in the food we are so proud of that our team so kudos to whoever is with us right now we would love to double the team yeah. so if yeah. <laughs> someone's interested yeah. when we first of all 30 people will apply out of those you call and you set up your interviews, maybe three will show up. So mm -hmm. literally it's 10% show up rate. The 10% that does show up, they walk in so scared. And I'm like, let's talk. Let's, I want to hear about your life. Like, what have you been up to? What are your life goals? Where do you want to go? And they're like, why are you asking me these questions? Why? Like, like, because you're a human being. They're like nobody has talked to us like this. And then the ones that, we build a relationship with during the interview process, they end up staying and they end up bringing that passion because they see themselves as being seen. The restaurant back of house culture that we have observed as even guests and customers is it's just quote unquote the help, but the restaurants that do treat their staff well, and there's many in this town that do, you see staff that has been there for years and years and years. Uh, and, and, They, they become part of our extended family because we go there to eat our meals and it's it's a big, it's part of our life. So same thing. We want to have career paths for our employees. We want this is the place that they're going to treat it with respect. And this is how it has to be. For me, like when I go in and everybody who's working with us, it's it's a very humbling experience that it's not their dream to have a Pakistani restaurant or run a Pakistani restaurant. It's our dream. So for them to buy into that, invest into that, and walk in every morning and every and, and leave every night, making our dream come true, that's a very humbling experience. So there's no reason for us to treat them any other way, you know? But besides that, I do feel like maybe there's, I wonder, it's not so much like I don't know it, but I always wonder that if there is a, some sort of maybe intimidation or some confusion as to, In the industry, in the people that we have here who are applying, 
or maybe there's some hesitation to apply for a Pakistani restaurant because it's an unknown cuisine. People here who are in the food and bev are not so familiar with it. So there's maybe some intimidation or confusion or some unfamiliarity, discomfort, because kitchen is the hardest one for us to hire for. So I wonder if there's that education piece missing that, no, this is, can also be done. This is maybe new to you, but it's, it's, it's still the same concept. Yeah. More than half the spices, <clears throat> a lot of, most of our staff had not seen before until, right. until they got in. And you mentioned sourcing ingredients and we had talked about this before. I think a lot of diners, maybe when they see the cost of their meal go up by 10%, you know, they're wondering why is the restaurant charging so much for this? Could you guys talk a little bit about how, the price of certain supplies and, and ingredients that you're getting has increased so much and how that's impacting your daily operations? Restaurant margins themselves are very, very thin. I, I'm not sure if people realize how thin they are. Uh, you're talking single digits, if that, and low single digits in terms of profit margins. People still, for some reason, have this expectation of pre-pandemic that, hey, we used to pay $10 for this item, why is it $16? Well, let's do the math. Food costs at this point, what used to cost $20 is $120 within the last two years. And we've seen it steadily go up. Someone has to pay for that. Staff costs. If you could hire someone, if they're working off of tips for minimum, we don't believe in minimum wage, by the way, but if you would pay $2.50 per hour plus tips, those people are now six, seven, eight, ten, twelve dollars per hour plus tips. That cost has gone up four or five X. So where's this money going to come from? Someone has to pay for it, right? That's why the food costs are increasing. It's not because restaurateurs want to make more money. I mean, we wish we, we could, but at the same time, I think in 2022, it's going to continue to become more of a luxury and it's different for us. We're in a unique situation. I'm sure there's a lot of restaurants here in the same situation as well. We start our restaurant after the pandemic. So we didn't qualify for any PPP loans. We didn't qualify for any EIDL loans. Mm -hmm. So there's no subsidies for us. It's just basic math at this point. There's nobody out here trying to make, I know a lot of restaurateurs, even in Charleston, That's these are the things that keep them up at night. How do you balance what customers are willing to pay with your costs, but then you realize, all right, food is food. If you're trying to just sell food, a burger, a, a, a chicken tikka roll, or just a butter chicken, then 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 you're not going to survive. You have to figure out what is the experience around it, which is something that is not commoditized. Mm. So the experience that you receive at Malika is not a commodity. You can't find that anywhere else. The way the staff talks to you, the aroma the smell, the sights, the sounds, the window into Pakistan, the photos, the way the food is presented, the when you eat the first bite, that delight, that whole experience, that is worth paying for. And, and it's our job as restaurateurs to create that value so people keep coming back. We'll be right back with more after this quick message. Hi. I'm Taylor Istabo, and I'm an audience engagement producer for The Post and Courier. Our digital team makes sure the paper's journalism gets to you through our newsletters, social media accounts, and website. We put a lot of thought into what tweet will communicate the most important information from a story, or might make you laugh. And we know the news. We're constantly monitoring the biggest stories of the day and figuring out how to get that information to you. 
When you subscribe, you're supporting that work. Visit postandcourier.com slash subscribe today. I come from a design background and Miriam is an amazing interior decorator, designer, and both of us, when we come together, what you're seeing is literally how we, how we decorate our house or what, what we do at home. Like art is important, making an impact, having a point of view that says something and establishing like, whose house are you in? Who are the people that live here? If you come to our house, you're going to be like, yep, owners of Malika live here and, and big, like make an impact. Transitioning into Memsab, that's what you're going to find over there as well. Something completely different and unique that speaks true to our hearts. The only keyword I can drop, which is the overall with food, cuisine, experience, everything, I would like to go a little bit more old worldly Pakistan. More into history, more into the, the, the raw nature of kind of what are our origins and what is the vibe. Uh, when I think of Pakistan, I'm sure the same as mm-hmm. with you. If, if you tell me, hey, Rahil, when you, the last time you were in Pakistan or grew up in Pakistan, what are some of the anchors that you can think of? We, we're putting those anchors here. Is there anything you'd like to see change about Charleston's restaurant industry as, as we move into this next year? I think, and I'm sure, Mariam, I would love to hear you as well, but I think there's a big inner reflection that needs to take place as to do we want this industry to thrive and do we want quality people there that can expect a career? It's up to the restaurants to create that environment that brings those people who want to have these aspirations. We want all of our employees to one day open restaurants of their own. So that has to happen moving forward as an industry to improve the staffing issues we have to attract the right talent and develop the right talent so that they feel that they have a long-term home. This can't be a transactional business as far as employees go. It cannot. I mean, food and bev is a, just like teaching is a business of passion. Um, if you're doing it, you really have to be crazy about it. Yeah. Uh, because obviously there's not, again, as we said, profit margins aren't that, that attractive, you know. We have to make sure that we are encouraging these people and appreciating them for their passion. Otherwise, it's again, it's a transaction. Mm-hmm. It's a clock in, clock out. Mm-hmm. And how long can you do that for? And if you don't have a path, you don't have a, a clear indication that, okay, if I was a dishwasher today, but I can learn X amount of things and I can become this and this, then it's it's pointless. You have to have that light yeah. at the end of the tunnel. For and, that. And, and create <laughs> systems, processes, equipment, whatever it is to make their life easier. It's our job to be there for them. I know you have a, a restaurant coming this year, which is, is very exciting. But in general, what excites you most about this upcoming year? You know that a roller coaster when it's on its way up, it's like nervous, nervous, nervous. <laughs> and the anticipation, the nervousness grows, grows, grows. And then you're at the tip. And that's the height of your of your emotions where that's where I'm at right now. This that unknown, but I know it's going to be fun. We have worked hard to get here. It was long. It was slow. That's how I feel. Yeah. But like Mamsab, I am so pumped. Like yeah. I cannot wait to get in that kitchen and really just cook up. Uh, yeah. Every, I'm, you know, You'll so be I able think, to make all those dishes that you've been dreaming Absolutely. About. Yeah. We're, we're doing a custom kitchen. So that's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, beautiful. yeah. So I think Mamsab, hopefully getting eventually after, after Mamsab is kind of stabilized, getting some time with the kids, 
that's number one. Yeah. So I think family time, we're definitely looking forward to. Um, but I think that right before that, hiring a good team and teaching them. Oh, gosh, I can't wait. Like Because teaching makes you learn so much better. I feel like that. And, I, you know, I've, I've never had the opportunity to teach um, Pakistani cuisine to anybody. It's just I watch my grandma, I watch my mom, my sisters, and I just cooked. I didn't really get taught. And I've never had to teach to anybody who is not familiar with the cuisine. So this, I'm really looking forward to kind of testing myself and showing how well I can teach and what I can learn in return, because all those questions that I'm going to get back are going to make me question research more. You know, I can taste something and be like, yep, it needs this. But they'll be like, but why? Okay, well, that why is always a good question to kind of go back and reflect and research. So I'm looking forward to learning more about actually the Pakistani cuisine and my culture and why we do the things that we do. What when when I cook this particular recipe, what makes it so awesome? And kind of putting my own touches to it. What's the best way to follow along with Malika and Mamsab and get updates about what's going on with your restaurants? When we have a special like butter chicken, the first people to know about it are the email subscribers. So the first thing that people should do is go to both websites, MalikaCanteen.com and MamsabCHS.com. And just put your emails in and you guys are VIPs and you'll know as soon as we're even thinking of doing something crazy or something different, something unique, they're the first ones to know. Because usually when we do something crazy, it sells out and we want our subscribers and our and our supporters to have first dibs on that. The second is, I would say, follow our, our social media uh, accounts and uh, put your email in and you'll be in the know for anything special that's, that's happening. <laughs>